0: You're listening to Get Informed America, the only true unfiltered show that's fighting fake news and finding common ground. Now, here's your hosts, Dave Oakenquist and Rodney Johnson.
1: Hello and welcome to Get Informed, America, the show that breaks through the mainstream media box to bring you real smart news. I'm Dave Okenquist from Informed American, and joining me is the editor of Informed American, who also happens to be the smartest man I know, Mr. Rodney Johnson. Rodney, good morning. Morning, Dave. How are you today, Rodney? <laughs> I'm
2: feeling pretty good. You know, I'm in the great state of Texas where the governor says he's going to you know, hold a conference at noon and tell us how to open this thing back up. So we'll see. You know, a little... A little bit of sunshine in otherwise gloomy time.
1: Yeah, it does feel like we are starting to make that little bit of a turn, you know, ever so slowly. Uh, We're going to get into all of that. Uh, Speaking of uh, this idea of reopening the economy, that's going to be one of our our topics. Uh, President Trump revealed his three-phase plan. Uh, In addition to that... The, it, while it does seem like there's some sun coming over, coming over the horizon, there is still economic fallout going on. We had jobless claims; those continue to soar. I'll report on that this week. Congress is in a standoff uh which they could be doing a little bit here to protect uh, people who are losing their jobs but instead they are they're playing politics and Rodney, we got protests around the country also there are uh, are, are are two steady segments that we've been uh, hitting on the last couple of weeks our america gives their opinion we've got some polling data there and the rapid fire segment where we pull out some stupid things from the news and have a little bit of a laugh before we get out of here <laughs> so. all right Rodney, so let's get into it uh, the weekly jobless claims are they this week they totaled million, bringing the total of the last four weeks to 22 million. And uh, that number happens to be the same uh, number of jobs that we had gained since the Great Recession. So just to sort of put that into perspective, not that the two are necessarily equal, because it it, it did take, uh, you know, definitely over different circumstances, but losing all of the, erasing all of those gains, essentially, uh, in four weeks. What do you make of that? That's a disaster, isn't it?
2: it is a disaster but there's a number of there's a number of moving pieces here that we have to keep track of the first is we made this happen we we put this out there and said we're going to put in policies that require you not to go to work and so right. we're shutting this down it was by choice okay the second thing is um i had reached out to uh one of the people that you know read our research in new york and uh he apparently makes door hardware for commercial buildings okay. and i said well, just you know give me a sense of what's going on with you and he said well i laid everybody off because I'm going to leave them laid off and let them be on unemployment for as long as unemployment's going to pay this extra benefit. Mm-hmm. And so part of it is the math on the other side of business owners going, you mean I can just leave them unemployed for longer and they're going to get this $600 bonus on top of their regular benefits and be okay? Yeah, we'll play the state for as long as we can. Um, but the, the, the bigger implication here is how long does it take to get people back to work and how many come back to work? Right. You know, 13 million, I'm sorry, 13% of the working population is what's filed for unemployment in the last four weeks. Add that to the 3.5 that were already unemployed. Clearly, you get 16.5% unemployment. These are, these are just mind-boggling numbers to happen in the space of, of a month. And so you can turn the economy off by flipping the sign around to say closed. You don't turn the economy on by just flipping it around to say open. You gotta get supply change, gotta get everything else back. So, I think it's going to be longer than, than people are expecting to get everybody back to work. And I think it's going to be a lower level of employment, meaning higher unemployment for some time.
1: Uh, yeah, that was going to be my, that that is my follow up essentially. So how much of that 22 million can we get back? I mean, so uh, let me ask you in this way. Will we get, will we get all of those 22 million back, say, within a six months or a year, say? No okay so so we're going to be sitting we're going to be having we're going to be looking at higher unemployment rates for for a good while then
2: right because remember what unemployment requires it in, it requires you to have the job for them to do right you're a business owner and you've got to have the work and you got to need the people you don't add somebody until you need them because yeah. clearly it's an expense or you don't add them until you expect your business to grow at a rate to acquire them in very short order and so you've got to have a very optimistic view of what's coming and so people are not going to under or, or not understand that's the wrong term. They're not going to know what this looks like for months. Right. I mean, because, uh, and I know we're going to get into it. You talked about it, the three phases of, of reopening the economy yeah. uh, per the president and other people have their plans, but one of them is going to be, you have to stay away from each other when you go out. Well, what restaurant is set up for social distancing, right? What sports venue is yeah. set up to have everybody six feet apart. Imagine what that looks like. In we'll the all state. be in a glass <laughs> booth. Yeah, exactly. And so there's, there's some some issues here, some practical issues that are going to cause many businesses to stay closed or operate at much lower levels Mm -hmm. that won't require the same employment. And you will not have that forward view of big optimism that says, yes, give me that person now, give me that person now that we were really dealing with over the last six months before this. So I, I think we're looking at elevated unemployment for some time.
1: Well, bad news there. Hopefully, we can we can get yep. as close close as we can back to normal as soon as we can. Now, meanwhile, the part of this the calculus that's going on, as you said, we got that unemployment insurance provided by that stimulus bill. Uh, one of the things they had was the Paycheck Protection Program that uh, set up for small businesses, and there was 350 billion allocated there. It's now exhausted, and the the administration is calling for another 250 billion, and the Senate w- is ready to go and. Since the, the the dynamic of this is since they've already passed it, they can do just the the voice vote thing and do a unanimous consent and just inject that money in. Instead, the Democrats want to add a bit more, add things. They want 100 billion in addition for hospital, 150 billion for state and local governments, and which would require a new bill, from what I understand. So. <sighs> We're now they're in a standoff, right it's it's this clean bill versus tack on and everyone is just not you know they're they're staring each other down seeing who's going to blink first. Meanwhile, these small businesses could be getting this injection of cash and keeping people on the payrolls Rodney
2: well and and so this is where we try to be informed, right I uh, I read a lot and I have a pretty wide spectrum of things that I'm keeping tabs of so that people can kind of get both sides or you know some information if you read, What you would think of from this conversation, the other side of the argument, it is that the Republicans are wanting to keep money for just the business owners and to leave state and local governments out to dry so they can starve the beast. I think it was the term this morning used. And so, you know, it, it, but, but it speaks to your point, which is the initial shock has been dealt with in the 350 billion. This now exhausted. There's no more money, but the knock on is, Hey, wait a second. We've got to look to our base and figure out who we're going to protect and what fight battles we're going to have. And so that's what we're seeing, the politics of it. And so one side said, hey, you're not doing it fast enough. And the other side said, hey, you want to ram it through and not protect these other people. And so it goes back to the normal. Guess what? What you're really doing is, you know, allowing businesses to flail about and not get the money they need, because every day that they don't get more money is a day that a business will go under. I mean, it's as simple as that. And so they are playing politics while American businesses fail.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, there's nothing wrong. Say if you know if, if I, I don't know what hospitals need. Uh, if they need 100 billion, fine. If state and local governments need 150 billion, fine. Sort that out separately. We know small businesses. We know this for a fact. They are dying, and a small business the yeah. money for a small business literally is a paycheck. I mean, it, it, if you want to just put it put it in those terms right now, that is payroll. That's what that money essentially is for the most part, and offsetting some other losses. But that is literally the point of of that money to go to small businesses. If we talk about that. That's $1,200 stimulus checks, people saying, well, you know, how can you live on $1,200 a month? That's just a part of it. A lot of it is this money right here. That's what that is. This is a paycheck protection program. It's literally what it's for. Well, the and actual actually, estate- even
2: even that at $350 billion is a small piece of the $2.3 trillion, And the $1,200 check per person, you know, up to income levels and whatever, uh, is also not the biggest part. The biggest part is actually, you know, backstopping a lot of loans and um, different bonds like state and local governments. And so the Fed is out there trying to support these entities in other ways. And so it, it's, it's never pretty. Yep. It's, it's always messy. Nobody likes to see how the sausage is made, but this is a very difficult time to be having those conversations. Uh, when, like we said at the beginning, small businesses are dying every day.
1: Certainly. Now, Rodney, this this frustration is uh, down at the you know at the personal level. I think all of us were sort of at the point where you know a week or two ago. Okay, this is a serious thing. We need to you know shelter in place or whatever whatever term you want to use. We have got to protect ourselves. And now we're just getting antsy. We got a lot of people uh, losing. You know, have lost their jobs. They have, they may be business owners and they want to start getting back to work, getting back to normal because we just can't take this anymore. So people have gone out and protested in Michigan. Uh, Utah, Kentucky, North Carolina, Ohio, Virginia, Wyoming. I don't know what's going. You mentioned Texas. I don't know if people are, are, are mad in Texas. We're outside but, of the yeah, outside the state capitol and the governor's office here. So. Yeah, and and you know, and then it, this is also it's funny. There's also a story in Foreign American* that you put up that even Michigan sheriffs were were talking to were telling the uh, Michigan governor that you don't have the authority to lock people in their homes. I mean, this is this is spilling over now. We we've, we've, people are sort of had enough. And they want some clear direction as to a path forward. We've, we, I think we've hit that stage. So, what is, what is going on with that? What's going on in Texas, Rodney?
2: Well, it's small. I mean, the protests are small, but Texas is wide. You know, the saying is you can watch your dog running away all day long because it's just <laughs> flat. Um, and so we don't have uh, the same lockdown mentality here. Nobody's asking you where you're going or where you're coming from. You go yep. to whatever store you want. It's still open. Restaurants are not open except for takeout, but you can go to Home Depot and get whatever you want and do whatever you want. Sounds Nobody's like the way go. it is around here, by the way. Is it? Well, there you go. Yep. Uh, but I, I think the point is, um is well taken. We want to get back to work. Everybody wants to see us back to work. Nobody wants to see unemployment, but, This is where government is really stepping on rights. And you have to ask yourself, I certainly ask myself, and I know you do, what is legitimate and what is not? And that becomes a personal decision. I read the Constitution. (laughs) I read the Federalist Papers. And so does the government have the right to tell me to do or not to do these things? And, you know, you can take a reading of it and say, well, this is an emergency situation, so rights are out the door. You can take another very clear reading that says this is an emergency situation and rights are never out the door. They're called rights. And so this is, this is one of those times where I think the longer it goes, the, the louder the voice is going to be that guess what? You can't really tell me to do that. You can ask me and I can decide to do it or not, but you cannot force me to do these things. Businesses can, businesses must act within what the laws are. And so if the business's license to operate is pulled by the state, that's one thing, right? I mean, it is what it is. But in Michigan, the governor literally said, you are not allowed to go across the street and visit your neighbor, (laughs) at which point a lot of people had a single finger salute to that because it's like, seriously, that is definitely across a line.
1: Yeah. Now, the, I believe that the administration has been getting this message from from its, its constituents, the governors, officials, this general uh, anger swelling in the public about this. So yesterday, uh, the uh, Trump administration released a three-phase plan, and I just got a couple of quotes here for AP News. For some of you who may not have caught the details on this, uh, in phase one, the plan recommends strict social distancing for, all, now this is sent to governors, by the way, uh, strict social distancing for all people in public gatherings a lot larger than 10 people are to be avoided and non essential travel is, is discouraged. So, you once and then I believe there's a 14 day period for each, and once each you can phase, kind of go yeah. 14 days one, you can move to the next phase. In phase two, people are encouraged to mass, uh, maximize social distancing. Now, it moves up from 10 to 50 people unless precautionary measures are taken, and then travel can be can resume. Then phase three envisions a, a return to normalcy for most Americans, where they focus on identification and isolation of new infections. Now, of course, if it, it stands that if you're sick, you stay home You know, through all phases, that all that sort of stays, uh, and then you, you know, quarantine yourself, just as we all have been doing. And then, uh, and Trump did make a point here saying that, uh, some, tr- some states are doing so well or in a position to move into phase one immediately. Now, is that what's going on in Texas, Rodney? Uh, we won't know until later today. Okay. Um, but it's really county
2: by county. Texas has 254 counties and they are very disparate in what they look like. Mm-hmm. Uh, Harris County near me, uh, up in Houston is uh, very populated doesn't look like New York, but it has a lot of people, millions of people. And there are counties out in West Texas that if you see another human in the normal course of your day, you have to wave crazily so that they <laughs> see you back, right? Um, but the, the point is we're different across America, and so it would mm-hmm. make sense we have different rules. Uh, my take on the phases is a bit different. We're going to go from zero to three really fast. Yeah. Because the whole idea that you, know, you keep all this distance is like, well, what restaurant is set up for social distancing at tables? You're going to tell somebody that they're going to open their restaurant and serve thirty people when they used to serve a hundred because you can't get more inside. And sports venues, I mean, as I said earlier, I mean imagine the stands at a football or baseball game where unrelated parties have to stay six feet apart. I mean, have you ever been to the bathroom in a sports stadium? <laughs> this isn't going to work out, you know, or stood in line for a beer. Uh, and so I think what happens is as we start to to do this, we fall really quickly from, you know, zero to phase three. Yeah. Which is you know what? Put a little distance between you and somebody else as we're still developing a therapeutic, and don't visit a nursing home or a hospital unless you have to, because you don't want to put people at more risk. I totally get that. But the things in between I think are gonna fade pretty fast.
1: No, I, I agree with all that. Uh the the danger here though, as we've been hearing about, is this this sec this second wave uh thing and, and then that's yeah. gonna be how do you manage that if it does come. And then what do you do? Do you go back to where we were, kind of a thing? That's really the the, the real worry. Now, right now, I mean, I went out to the grocery store yesterday. Um, I, I put on my gloves. I put on my homemade face mask. Uh, by the way, you can you can you can watch a how-to video on our, on our right here on our YouTube channel how to do that. Uh, but uh, <laughs> it's a shameless promotion here. But point point is, I felt very safe to be honest. I, I thought it was a hassle. I was annoyed that I had to do it. Um, just cause it's, you know, one more thing I got to worry about. Um, but, uh, it didn't, I didn't feel in danger there before. Whereas I remember going to the grocery store a couple of weeks ago, feeling like, eh, I'm like, I'm like walking into like almost like a trap here that I have to avoid, um, kind of a feeling. And I didn't get that feeling uh, yesterday. So hopefully if we do kind of, have this thing in our mind all the time just to kind of keep your distance, you know, when you're doing certain things and do common sense stuff. Like again, if you're sick, stay home, don't go visit your grandmother in the nursing home, that kind of thing. I think we can, we can really, we can manage this thing, right? I mean, I think that's kind of what we're both thinking here.
2: It is. Um, I, I, I struggle with it. The second wave comes, right? Because you have the flu every year. And so uh, people have kind of stopped talking about this, but warm weather does make the flu more difficult to transmit because it doesn't live as well uh, as uh, the weather heats up. It essentially melts. Yeah. Um, and so we're getting through April, just as you and I had talked about last month, that April and testing couldn't come fast enough. And so it's helping. It's definitely helping. Uh, and when we get back to the cooler weather, guess what? It's going to come back again as things do. The question is really on the other side of this, though, as I said a minute ago, it's testing and therapeutics. If we have testing... Uh, in uh, you know large enough numbers, we're going to have a different way of attacking this that doesn't require shutting down the economy. And that's something I've been looking for for a long time. Uh, certainly Google and Apple are working on a, a way to uh, track you, uh, and it sounds more horrible than it is, right? The idea is if you end up with symptoms, you can do what is essentially a, a look-back machine to see where you've been, and other people who were in those areas could get a message saying, Somebody who was in this area at this time yeah. could have been infected. You know what? I, I'm not one for having somebody track me. That's not a terrible thing. Uh The testing, the testing for antibodies to see who's already had it, that's a really big thing. Let's get that sucker out the door. Yeah. Um, and then there's always the medicine in the background. Uh, Gilead was flying this morning before the market opened because of reports that it's drug, and I always mispronounce it. It's like remdesivir or whatever. Yeah, I wasn't uh, going to was, try. <laughs> yeah, it was showing uh, some efficacy. The company yeah. is saying, hold off here. This is anecdotal. We do not have the clinical data all done yet. Yes, yeah. some people responded well, but it's still only 68% of people, if I remember correctly. But a lot of people are working on therapeutics and a vaccine. If somebody came out tomorrow and said, I have a vaccine for this, all of all of this melts, all of it. And so we have a lot of things in motion that will uh, mitigate this in a big way before we get to the second wave. And so I'm not thinking it's going to be like this.
1: Excellent. Yeah, that 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 is that other game changer that we it, you can't account for it because it just hasn't happened yet. But you, yeah. you, when it does come, it will have significant uh, significant effect to the positive. So great point there. And hopefully, as soon as possible, even even just a, a forget a vaccine, although we do want that. Even just a real like a proven basic treatment that you know that we can kind of give it. Just yeah, like the therapeutic the
2: something yeah. that lessens the severity of it, so you know people that get it aren't aren't you know at risk of dying. All
1: right. Just like, you know, you get a sore throat. That's really bad. Strep throat and you take antibiotics, you know, something yep. along those lines. All right, Ronnie, let's move on here quickly to, to some of the polling data. I know we talked about, I think a week or two ago, how the president's approval rating had spiked, um, but then that's fallen off a bit. I got a Gallup poll here. And he was at 49%. looks like in the beginning of April, and I was slipping to just 43%. My And I, and I think that it spiked based on the president becoming more outfaced uh to the public and giving those press briefings. And I don't think that's why it slipped. I think what's going on here. Just my personal opinion is this negative, this dip in approval rating reflects the general population's frustration with what's, what's been going on as we've seen in the protests and all that. They just like, we are past the protect ourselves from getting sick phase. And now we're in the, I'm getting really frustrated with what's going on in the world phase. What do you think of that?
2: Um, I, I, I think that you're seeing the swing voters, right? Uh, because the people who are very strong supporters of President Trump still very strongly support him, right? 40, 41%. And the people who dislike him still really dislike him. It's like that 50% of the nation that has just never had a thing for him. Um, and I think what you're seeing, of course, the people in the middle going, look, we, we had a situation, a dire situation by, you know, some accounts. And he's presidential. I mean, he stood into it. He took the data. At first, he's saying, look, this isn't a big deal. Uh, it wasn't a big deal. Some reports were saying yes. Some reports saying no. As it became a big deal, he said, look, now it's a big deal. We're going to do these things. And so uh, leadership is about moving to where you need to be at the time. And so, uh, you know, it, it whether you think he did it well or not, he was leading and, and appeared more presidential and an historical view, right? A lot of people don't think of him as being the historical mold of the president because of the things he says and does.
1: Well, not a historical mold of anything. He's one of a kind. <laughs> so
2: so the point is he, he did look more like that. And I think that struck a lot of people positively. Uh, and so, you know, revert to his old ways or whatever you want to say. I mean, he's in front of everybody every day. And so I think you're seeing that the approval ratings kind of fall back to where they traditionally were.
1: Yeah. Uh, also from Gallup, uh, this asks people when when they want are ready to return to normal activities. Just 20% said immediately. 71% say see, wait and see what happens. And it's roughly sp- split by you know if you live in a city, immediately is just 15%. If you live in a rural area, like we Rodney talked about in West Texas, uh, that would be like 23%. Uh, working, non-working is, is basically the same. Uh, and Democrats, just 11% say immediately versus 31% of Republicans. I wonder how many Republicans and Trump supporters were in those protests. Uh, Rodney, another thing I came across here, this is a, a cross-country study between the UK, U.S., US Germany, and Sweden, asking them uh, how their, their confidence in a bunch of different institutions. And central government is up across the board, and media is down across the board. You may think that wouldn't be surprising for the United States during this coronavirus. Virus thing, you know, because we mainstream media has been in a, in a fight with the president <laughs> always. So in a yeah. crisis, it just polarizes. But same, we're seeing the same results in the UK, Germany, and Sweden. Do you make anything of that?
2: I I do, but it's probably not the same as other people. As I look at it, um, I I recognize that we have so many news sources at our fingertips now that. When when you say media, you know, when we write that, I, I think of like the New York Times. I think of the Wall Street Journal. I think of Bloomberg and the Daily, yeah. Daily Mail and the Telegraph uh, and the Asian Times. And so I look at it and think of people who have published big publications for a long period of time who are locked into a model. And I think those models have been broken for a number of years uh, because we have access to a lot of different data points where when we read that a study tells us X has happened, We can go read the study. We don't need them anymore. And so when they say so and so said something at a press conference, we can actually go watch a video of the press conference. And so we have become (laughs) de facto fact checkers of the people reporting. And what it's shown us is what they're not reporting or perhaps the holes. If you want to, you know, attribute it to bias, you want to attribute it to, you know, doing a bad job, whatever you want to do. It's whatever
1: their focus is,
2: right? Versus.
1: Yeah, we're seeing that
2: we're seeing the holes in what happens, yeah. and saying, "Wait a second, that's not exactly how it's going." No. And think of it this way: when you walk onto a car lot, if you've done some research, you know what car you want, you know the exact car, you know the exact model, you know everything about it. You probably know the VIN number of the vehicle on the lot that you want to make a deal on. The guy you talk to or the woman you talk to probably doesn't. They probably have a general knowledge of the type of cars that are around, but. They just don't know them all. They can't, and right. they don't even try. And so they're trying to navigate you through the big pieces and let you kind of figure out the small ones. I think of big news outlets as the same way. you got a reporter that's writing on, say, health, and they talk about 20 different things. But if your are bent is, you know, biologics, you're going to know a lot more about that Gilead drug we talked about a minute ago than this reporter. And you're going to see all of the issues that they have there. And yeah. now we can all see that on the net. So I think this is a normal evolution of us going, wait a second, news reporting isn't 1950 or even 1980. This is 2020, and it better be a lot better and a lot
1: clearer as to what's going on, or else we're going to flame you as we go forward. Yeah, I think that's a great point, Rodney. You get a journalism school grad trying to talk about, you know, yeah, biotech. It just doesn't yeah. work. Yeah, a great it's hard. Point Now, Ronnie, I want to move on before we get out of here to some stupid things I saw in the news. I'm going to go first, and and then I'll leave the rest to you. Uh, I like to do these mainstream media comparisons. These are just gold. Um, And the one that we hit on uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, this is both from the Washington Post. I like the comparison of headlines when things change. Tom Cotton keeps repeating a coronavirus conspiracy theory that was already debunked. This refers to the the possibility that the coronavirus had leaked out of the lab as opposed to have been uh, someone eating it head off or something. And then uh, an update here from Washington Post. State Department cables warned of safety issues at Wuhan lab studying back coronaviruses. How do you like that? <laughs>
2: I like the fact that on that uh, particular note, Facebook debunked a uh, theory of the virus escaping a Wuhan clinic and they did it by referring to an expert. And the expert said, no, no, it definitely did not come as Wuhan, you know, bio research lab. Uh-huh. And he put in his bio used to work at Wuhan bio research lab. <laughs> well, you're the right guy guy to debunk this right
1: (laughs) oh goodness you know we don't rodney we can't be people are spreading misinformation we can't (laughs) this is it this is insane yeah absolutely insane yeah but i want to move on here rodney there's another this is washington i love the washington post it's my favorite my favorite newspaper well we all need entertainment somewhere (laughs) yeah here's a headline here prominent virginia pastor who said god is who said quote god is larger than this dreaded virus dies of covid-19. Now, that's a pretty rough headline for for a fellow American who maybe, you know, didn't say the right thing, got caught really? caught the virus and died. Let's contrast that to uh Abdul bakar al-Baghdadi, the terrorist who was killed in a, in, a, in a strike by the US forces. Austere religious scholar at helm of Islamic State dies at 48. <laughs> <laughs> How about that contrast? Well, you know, like we say, we we
2: can all uh, you know, do fact-checking now and go. Wait a second. A terrorist responsible for killing many thousands of people, including Americans, and enslaving women and children, uh, is called an austere religious scholar. That's awesome. Unbelievable.
1: Uh, yeah. And then uh, I got a couple. Just really quick here. There's there's a there's a tweet by Katie Turr, who's a MSNBC host, who. She 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 calculated the time that the president was doing a press briefing, and then divided by the number of deaths uh, during the day. So, in other words, you know, while, while the president was doing his briefing, there was four deaths in Alabama, forty-two deaths in California, uh, six deaths in Delaware, sixteen deaths in Georgia. She run run through it. basically, you know, all these people are dying while well, you are doing a press conference. I don't know. I don't know if she was calculating how many were dying while she was do it, trying to do all the math and compose her tweet. I don't understand what the point is here.
2: Well, and and to that point, if he did his press conference in one minute, would have been more. I mean, the math just doesn't work there. It's a statistical nightmare to do that sort of thing. So,
1: last thing I got here, Ronnie, your favorite, Mr. Elon Musk. There was a story on CNN about how he had promised ventilators uh, and then didn't deliver any. And he's and he responds by saying, "I don't even know how CNN still exists." And he's quote and then he's showing uh, screenshots of emails with the California um, Public Health administrator saying they've got the ventilators and they work. I mean, just I mean literal fake news right here. Yeah, well, on my side, I was looking at other stories.
2: There was one uh, um, uh, company called Tibi that had um, commissioned some research and surveying two thousand Americans, they found that the average is binge watching binge watching at least eight hours a day during all of this. And so eight hours of binge watching and parents are getting in on the act. 65% say that they're allowing their kids more screen time. And I have a fair number of friends who have young children. And so they're they're now, you know, the unwilling conscripted homeschoolers that they (laughs) did not sign up to be and trying to do their regular job from home. And I like the memes going around like, I can't wait till next year when I can transfer this kid out of my class. (laughs) Or perhaps, why is my teacher drunk all the time? So, you know, you are getting a number of stories. And there was one little snippet in the news, and I did post it on Informed American. The Taneytown, Maryland police put on their Facebook page a little note that said, when going out to the mailbox, remember to put on pants. (laughs) You know who you are. And so being called out individually by your police department for not wearing pants that's kind of fun. I'm <laughs> not sure I want to know who that individual is, but that's kind of fun. <laughs> uh,
1: I want a, a question out here, Rodney, before we get out uh, on this whole thing about binge, that the increase in binge, binge watching and all that. I don't know what your situation has been. I know, you, like me, you've been working out of your house for a long period of time. So, yeah. although I'm not going out and doing things as much, I mean, you know, during the week, nothing is nothing terribly has changed for me. What about you? Uh, no,
2: as a matter of fact, uh, we, other than not going to our favorite little restaurant right, know, once right. a week, it's not a, it's a bit of a dive Italian place, but we pick up instead to make sure that we're still supporting them. Uh, but really very little has changed except my house backs onto a golf course. I'm a very, very bad golfer, but I'll go play three or four holes in the <laughs> evening because nobody cares. And I call them and tell them I'm going to do it. But all these people are on my course and it's really annoying me that they're in my way. So (laughs) I I do have a little frustration with other people who are now home and getting in my way, but uh, it hasn't really changed much.
1: Yeah, absolutely. All right, Ronnie, thank you so much for joining me this week. I can't wait to see what comes up next week. I want you all to become an informed American by subscribing to this channel. Let's have that conversation. Tell us what you think. Comment below on uh, all the stories we discussed. If you enjoyed the show, please click the like like button. We would love that. And if you're listening to us on a podcast platform, we'd love it if you would give us a rating and a review, particularly on iTunes. And it's not just these stories. We've got tons of stories churning out on informedamerican.com. So please check that out to get real smart news. And Ronnie, what else, uh, anything coming on today? Any stories that will pop up uh, later on today and maybe over the weekend that people can check out? Well, it's all about the
2: virus. And so it is like the governor here in Texas and other states and the Midwestern State Coalition, the Western State Coalition. Uh, and even the Northeastern State Coalition, several governors getting together saying, how are we going to do this? And I think we're going to get some pretty good visibility uh, on that over the next 24, 48 hours. But also the checks are hitting. I mean, stimulus checks are hitting accounts. Uh, that's good news for people. It's not going to pay a lot of their bills, but it's going to pay some. And we talked about the Payroll Protection Program Fund being out of money. Well, that's because they've committed it, and businesses are actually getting some of those monies in the door as well. So we're seeing some relief flow. That's good news.
1: I'd like to hear more stories about that for next week. Absolutely. So would I, Ronnie. Ronnie, thank you so much. I am Dave telling you to get informed, America.
0: You've been listening to Get Informed America, brought to you by the Informed American Radio Network. Please like and subscribe today in order to get new exclusive weekly episodes. Any questions, thoughts, or comments can be sent directly to info at informedamerican.com. And don't forget to visit informedamerican.com to keep up with real, smart news. Until next time, fight fake news and find common ground.